0: Absolute Rally,
1: powered by the Kielder Works team, cordless tools tailored for the world of motorsport. Hello
0: everyone, welcome to Absolute Rally, episode 5, season 20. I genuinely hope you are all keeping safe and well. Um, episode 5 is going to be, I suppose, it's a, this is the double bubble one that I talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago. Basically, um, this chat is with former British Rally champion IRC and WRC star Guy Wilkes, who we talk basically through his ten-year career, um, starting off in the KA Championship, all the way through to the end in IRC. Um, as you can imagine, it takes more than an hour, so this is actually going to be a double episode. Um, so you'll get an hour of it this week and. Um, it's uh it's really really interesting it's what goes on behind the scenes from drivers and stuff like that and contracts and things so uh, i hope you enjoy it so I say this first week is going to be an hour and the second week will be the remainder of the podcast which will be probably about another hour or so it is that in depth and as ever guy doesn't hold back and uh, top guest as always so i hope you enjoy this week's podcast if you can remember as well we're, we're trying to Support people where we can, whether it's NHS or any other local charities that are looking after people who may be vulnerable or first-line responders, that type of thing. If you can donate something, please, please, please do. Um, I appreciate it's not an easy time for anybody at the moment financially. You may be lucky enough to be furloughed. Uh, you may not be. Um, so I appreciate that. Perhaps you're not being able to do something. But um, as I said the other week, if you could just share the pod around, maybe get an extra listener for us, and we'll call it quits. Um, as I say, the fabulous people at Kielder have donated some equipment that uh, hopefully will be winging its way in the not-too-distant future to somebody uh, on, on the front line, or certainly people who are s- supporting people on the front line. We've donated um, some money ourselves as as a production company, also. So uh, yeah, this is this 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 podcast is purely made out of love, really, at the moment to uh, to to show a little bit of support to to what people are doing out there. Now uh, we've reached the halfway point of, of this season, if you can indeed call it a season, and um, obviously Ryan's appeared on it, but the other two have been missing. Um, we're going to change that in a couple of weeks' time. We are going to be all present. Um, for a pod where we're all going to ask each other a couple of questions, maybe stuff that we've not asked each other before, um, about our involvement in rallying. I don't quite know how it's going to work. As I said the other week, it's either going to be absolutely brilliant or absolute dog doo doo. But there's only a way we want to find out, I guess. So we're going to have all the boys join us in a couple of weeks' time. Um, so we've got this week and next week, which is going to be our Guy Wilkes piece. Um, as I say, an hour was never going to do it justice. And in this time, we have got a little bit of time on our hands. So I thought, we'll let, let it run. Let's see where we go. And uh, as ever, Guy didn't hold back and uh, some great stories. But um, sit back, relax. If you can, hit the subscribe button. If you haven't already, please do so and uh, tell your friends that you've done that if you can leave us reviews on itunes that also makes a massive help to us moving forward as well but in the meantime here's guy wilkes this is absolute rally so as i mentioned at the top we've got a guest that was on our original program five years ago and if you if you enjoyed it then you're going to probably enjoy it more now because it was broken up into two different parts so i thought I'd get him back because he's never short of opinion. He's always got something to say. And if you need any life skills, I've just learned some before we started recording this, which I'm going to go home and immediately implement. Guy Wilkes, welcome back to Absolute Rally. Uh,
1: thanks very much. I'm not sure about the life skills. You can try and implement them.
0: <laughs> Listen, mate, thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm assuming rightly that we're all, we're all well and safe uh, in, in the Wilkes household at the moment.
1: Yeah, absolutely strange times as everybody knows. Um but yet um trying to do well I say trying to do doing what we're being told and um you know hopefully we can come through this um this pandemic in um in in a way that is both safe and I suppose um we can't say better. There's too many people losing their lives to it, which is a hell of a sad situation. But at the same time, hopefully, you know, we can get as many people through this pandemic and uh, move forward with hopefully a vaccine that's coming soon.
0: Yeah. Well said, mate. Well said. Well, we'll, we'll talk rallying. That's why people have obviously people have, uh, have downloaded us. Not life skills not life skills no Great. no but i it's I'm, I'm, no, I'm, ta- I'm taking it i'm not going to share that one you've just gave me that's like a life <laughs> hack that is genuinely what i call a life hack people will be really wanting to know now what that is and i'm not going to share it um yeah good listen i, I want to start kind of chronologically even though it seems really lazy the reason why is because it's something that regularly comes up on the podcast and obviously because we've got normally when we do it there's normally rye and i always joke that rye is the king of the one make championships because he uh-huh. kind of, he prostituted himself around many of them. I can say that because he's my mate and he's yours as well. So, um, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you, that, that's, that's exactly where you started. Now, I was yeah. aware of you then because I was working, um, I, w- I was working with Shropshire Valley School at the time and Shropshire Valley School had done the KA series and I really wanted to do the KA series and, and I just didn't quite get it together in time uh, until 2001 where I ended up doing the polos as even though I want to do the KAs. But you started in the KAs. This is going to be possibly the question I'm going to ask you that I know the answer to the most. But the KA, was it purely down to the fact that the fact that the people like Chris Burbeck and etc. were on your doorstep?
1: Um, well, it's, well, it's lucky, to be honest, that we're in lockdown and you've started asking these questions because they're so long ago. <laughs> But the only reason I've had my memory jogged is because I have decided to go through all of my rally stuff, which has just been amassed <laughs> in, in in different rooms around the house. And I thought, no, this has got to stop. Well, even though it has stopped amassing it, I thought, I've got to sort this out. So you're lucky because I've gone through and I've found pictures of KAs, Pumas, all sorts. So, yeah, going back to your question, um, I had sort of done A-levels, GCSE to school, A-levels. Uh, Not done too too great at any of them. Um, Done all right, but nothing flash. But um, decided that I didn't want to go to university. I was always interested. I was always really off my dad's shoulder, who uh, used to rally, although I have no recollection of it. Um, But I was always in the workshop as a kid. um, Always wanted to fix my bike myself, et cetera, et cetera. And I decided that I just wanted wanted money. Uh, It sounds sounds quite an an awful thing to say, it sounds quite greedy, but yeah, I just wanted money in my life because we we were, even though my parents had a a good family business, um, they were both uh, quite uh, frugal in terms of tight with us as kids. We we never really got money for for nothing. and um, So yeah, I just wanted money in my life, I suppose, and decided I'd go and work in a family business. Um, To answer your question... Uh, I just decided I always I'd spectated rallies but only locally um, RAC and Hampstead Forest mainly and um, from sort of late 80s I remember Lancias and um, eyes streaming as they went past <laughs> <laughs> we can all guess why uh, I, I remember that distinctly actually um, sat, sat, um, I sat, stood slightly below the road and the two Lancias went through um, eyes just watering as a sort of 7 year old 8 year old kid um, but yeah moving on to the K.A. thing yeah Burfex was local wanted to have a go in a rally car um and sort of a, a, used to be an avid reader of motorsport news then realized that that wasn't too far away booked myself in I earned my money working in the workshop at the family business, and um I was going
0: to go down there and that's where I went um what year <coughs> was <that? laughs> what year was that that you came in
1: um that was um that was 99 when I went to, it would be late 99. I don't know the exact yeah, month, but yeah. I'd say November, December, because we got it together quite quickly. Actually, a, a, a good friend of my dad that actually started my dad off rallying, I used to work in the mines in the Dale. Um, he bought a Saab, uh, an ex-demonstrator of my dad, and we're going back into seventies now. And, um, but he was, a, he's a hell of a guy. Adrian's st- still around now and I still speak to him. Um, it, he basically started my dad rallying. He said, oh, you know, these are fantastic uh, rally car. You know, you should, I'll make you a sump car. And he used to make all of the buckets for the mines and everything. Anyway, made this fantastic sump car. And that was it. My dad and him, away they went rallying. Adrian used to come because he'd retired to the workshop on a Friday fairly frequently, maybe twice a month. And he came in the workshop and, he, you know, he's, he's a man of few words. And what's the doing this weekend, lad? And uh, so I, I was reluctant to say, but I... I said it and I said, but do not tell my dad this was on the Friday and I was booked in the Saturday. And, um, sure enough, I, 10 minutes later, which was unusual for him. He was always there for half an hour. He'd only been there for 15 minutes. <laughs> I knew this just off. He went out the back door, of the workshop round to the front straight in. And my dad always used to finish his working week. Generally, if there was no problems back at, um, at the garage where I used to work, uh, where his office was. And, uh, so he'd gone in there, <laughs> basically the office, sorry, the, the workshop door, internal workshop door, slammed open as it usually did when my dad came through. He's not a man for moving slowly. And uh, yeah, so, do you mind if I come? Do you mind if Adrian and I come? And that was it, so uh, away we went. And um, as I say, the rest is history. My dad told me, he said, look, you put everything into it. And he says, I'll, I'll make up the shortfall um, because Chris has said that you've got talent. And he said, but I'm gonna tell you now, he said, um, there's only one car. And he said, it's one mate championship because my dad did the uh, the Turbo Escort Turbo Championship. And he said, that's the only way you'll find out if you've got talent. He said, underpowered, front wheel drive. And he said, if you can rise to the top or get near the top, he says, you know, that's the way we'll find out very quickly. So wow. that's how it's right done. Wow. Well,
0: uh, I, the, the, it happened so really went, quickly. So I
1: went back to being skint again.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just thought to say. <laughs> but it, 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 the one thing that happened... Really, really quickly, which I can remember because we, you know, you, it must have been frustrating for you because I can remember being frustrating. I did my first forest event in two thousand, enough, I'm a, I'm a little bit older than you, but I came to it quite late, and yeah. I did my first forest event in two thousand, and then for um, mouth hitters, and yeah. we got into the world of of, of formal rally. Now, can I ask you, at the end of two thousand, was was that still for you? then were you were you planning on trying to be a career driver or were you just trying to be as good as what you could be and see what happened or was it still which is still very clear this is going to be a career for me
1: ah uh, no I hadn't got a clue although although to be honest I was doing the one thing that I always um, and going back to the high school thing the reason I was going there I just wanted to know if I could do it or not um, how hard was it how hard was it to left foot brake how hard was it to balance a car coming into a corner like you'd seen so many times, spectating, you know, could I do this? Could I master this skill? I played a lot of sport at school to a, a very decent level, county level for a couple of them. And it was just one of those things that was sort of in my mind and always bugged me that, you know, c- could actually do this? And when I got into a rally car, even though I was doing some things very wrong, um, I could go fairly quick. And so in that first year of KAs, it was about mastering the talent and getting more consistent. Actually, I took it out some times and I'm up and down like a yo-yo in some valleys, which a lot of people were in, in their early careers uh, for obvious reasons. Sometimes you don't actually know what's making you go quick. And um, by the end of 2000, I'd already sort of had uh, conversations and I had nowhere near the confidence to speak publicly uh, like I've done. Um Then when I was 19, 20, oh, goodness me, I used to... I remember in the K Championship being down, I think it was maybe Bill Wells for scrutineering somewhere like that. And um, I'd heard that they were coming to do an interview before a rally. Uh, it was Rob Arthur. And um, I've forgotten the TV company, a uh, Scottish guy, AM, it was AM TV or something like that. Yeah, uh, Miller. Like Is that the... Miller. Yeah, that sounds about yeah. right. Yeah, so, and I'd heard and I'd seen them coming for me, I so was <laughs> doing laps about the outside <laughs> of, of, the, of the building. But, yeah, I had no idea. I was just doing something that I'd loved, something that I thought I'd maybe never get the chance to do. And, uh, of course, now looking back, I can see that I was sort of raising a few eyebrows, but at no point did I think I, I would get into the opportunities that I did in later late, uh, rallying career.
0: I I, you know, I I find it fascinating that, you know, f- f- foot and mouth, obviously, we we had... You know the 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 the, um, the Formula Rally thing, which which you know you think about today, the culmination of all those one way championships, topped up by some Super Six hundred cars. But you you kind of went your own way as well. You you went over and did it was an ERC round at the time. You went over to Germany. That mm. must have been bonkers because I'm assuming that. You know, year one in 2000, you, 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 I, I would assume you were using organizers' notes at that point. I'm not entirely sure whether you were allowed to recce. Um, you probably only
1: re- one Only one rally, and that was uh, Ypres. Yeah. Um, sorry, not Ypres, it was Flanders, sorry, Tour of Flanders. Yeah, so um, you did. I remember Flanders, going yeah. there and it just being like, wow, this is the most amazing thing because the recce was like a rally. Um, and the only thing that I was disappointed was that um, we had a, a car that didn't have a sump guard on. So. We were just getting blitzed, literally on the recce. I mean, as you know, some of them you could just do, they were just open and you could do multiple passes. But yeah, you're right, did, did a few oddball things early on.
0: Yeah, it, 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 again, I, I, I didn't realise, wasn't until I thought, oh, I'm going to talk to a guy, I want to have a look at this. And then just kind of, when something kind of just flashes up, and you go, hang on a minute, we've gone from the Silverstone Rally, which was effectively a one-make championship event, all of a sudden then we're going on to Germany and I thought, he can't have done many reccees. That's, that's, you know, that's, no. that's a hell of a jump to make. What was the, what you know? apart from the fact that obviously we weren't getting a lot of proper rallying in 2001, she's a foot and mouth. What was the psyche behind it? Who, who kind of pulled you to one side and went, I think we should go to Germany, guy, because you're going to learn how to recce the hard Great way. Great question.
1: Great question. And, um, you know, it, it's actually given me a little bit of goosebumps thinking about the answer, even as you were going through that, because I was very lucky. Um, in my early career I had some uh, immensely um, talented uh, people um, who had been talented in the sport and had moved on Rob Arthur and Chris Burbeck driver and co-driver all never together Rob Arthur co-driver Tony Pond obviously sadly not around with us anymore Chris obviously competed against Colin and Nova and Peugeot and things like that they both knew the sport uh, way better than what I did um, obviously at that point and the thing was, um, my dad had, he, he'd also had great opportunity, although he was really quiet about it, I suppose. Just recently, somebody uh, contacted me and asked me if I, could, um, if I could put them in touch with my dad because they believed they bought uh, one of my dad's old cars. He'd, he he had a few drives with Ford, uh, with a factory, with Boreham, and one of them was down in mille and Louise Aiken-Walker was a driver, and um, Malcolm Wilson, my dad, um, so uh, you know a lot, a lot of people know that but the thing I'm going back to my dad was very good um, in that he never really he was running his business and he had a decision to make in the mid 80s he had poor health uh, that just hit him the virus actually and um, he just wasn't well enough to take an opportunity that would have made his career go, go on and um, so he decided to turn his attentions to the business but my dad was very humble in his knowledge of Valley and would and listen to Rob obviously with whole intent as as I would as a 19 20 year old uh, and Chris and a few of the guys around as well and I'd probably shown enough to them that you know I could progress in the sport probably not realizing myself because I was very good at com- compartmentalizing things at sport not trying to bite off too much but getting good direction and I was used to just focus on the next stage really, all the time, you know, or if it was going to a rally, I wouldn't think about two rallies time or three rallies time. But Rob, Chris, and my dad, um, basically, uh, and with myself, we'd had a chat, and it was like, you need to go, because Germany Germany's going to come into the World Rally Championship. If you progress, because at that point, the prize for winning the 1400 Puma Championship was a year in the BRC with a 1600 Puma, and they were like, look, if if you're gonna go to BRC, you're probably gonna start to twin the old JWRC event in with it. Maybe we should go to Germany, be a good event. Um, and it was Rob, really, the driving force. He used to put a hell of a lot of time into me. Um, uh, not, not sort of, how can I say, not, not in a biased way, because obviously we are doing the championship. We, we, we were basically on organizers' notes in the UK, but he'd seen, and he used to work, or should I say, Tristan. he used to work closely with Forum, with Alan Rose, um, And uh, quite early on in my career, I was getting opportunity because of all of them, uh, and basically believing in me. Um, and probably me not realising, of course, I realised the opportunity I was getting, but didn't really understand what they were seeing. And of course, in the background was um, the ladder of opportunity, the forward ladder of opportunity, which was obviously headed by Colin. This was all going on at the same time. Um, but yeah, going to Germany was a was an unbelievable experience in a 1400 car, and um, as you say, quite oddball for the time.
0: I always wanted one of those 1400 pumas, but everybody always said you should never buy one. Just as just as a caveat, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I'm going back now, a good few years. Don't get me wrong, I can't remember, but I'm sure. Did, did, that, did Niall McShay use one at one point? Well,
1: did I... I don't know about I don't know about that. But do you know what? On tarmac they were a strange car because it was this, it was the same body as uh, 1600 um, yeah. but uh, I think there's a slight difference in the roll cage somewhere. I can't remember exactly what it was but you could mod it up to make it to a 1600 uh, but very very similar um, but all of the subframe and, uh, and the, the rear axle was a beam with extendable um, alloy hubs uh, to widen the track and it used to bend the beam actually I, 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 you, you're taking me way back now I remember suffering um, the beams and I actually strengthened my own beams at that point. I took it to the workshop, welded it, braced it um, to strengthen it, uh, to stop it cause it used to bend and, and roll on massive camber and used to lose rear end grip. So, uh, yeah, I put some gussets in there and, um, yeah, because I used to run my own car at that point um, from KAs. I used to go to work. K's and fourteen hundred for so the first two years, used to go to work, work in the workshop, um, come back home, have uh, tea, dinner, whatever you want to call it, and either, we're
0: northern uh, it's your tea we're yeah,
1: northern exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, go, I, I go, go back to either the workshop um, before I moved it to, to, to home um, and go back and work on my car that was one of the things that my dad said he said look you work you earn your money it goes into the into the valiant and, but the one thing you don't do is you're not working on your car in the daytime and you're going to work on that in your leisure time so yeah literally I, I, you're talking about 1,400 puma not owning one I remember we had uh, a gearbox failure um, on on the input driver into the gear, uh, into the diff, sorry, um, on that car on an early rally. I um, forget which one it was, on Formula Rally. But yes, you used to throw up lots of oddball, oddball issues and failures. Um, but yeah, dog gearbox, um, I can't remember if it was a six-speed dog gearbox in that, or if it was five. I think they remember, think it was six, but maybe it wasn't. But yeah, just it was just, on the weak side of everything, uh, which caused problems.
0: I think, I think, I think you, I think you echoed everything that I was always told at the time, but, uh, but but obviously you got the opportunity anyway to, to, we got, we, we got the BRC back, you know, as you know, in 2002, which, which was quite a big deal at the time. You know, we, we, we talked about obviously BRC having a sabbatical and coming back only, only quite recently, I suppose, but I can remember the 2002, obviously it was the first time it, it was run privately, with world cars allowed but you know the super 600 cars and the guys of course if you pardon the obvious pun who are driving them um you know are the young pretenders uh and you being one of them
1: yeah it's funny actually because if you bear with me i've got a box and i know where it is i told you before we started recording um i've got the contracts and this is one of my first <laughs> contract well if you like a letter of intent um from Ford Racing and uh, business manager at the time, Alan Rose, um, and it basically is saying um, that he has the pleasure to confirm selection of the newly founded Ford Racing Junior Rally Team, small title that one, um, I've watched your career developed from the KA to the Puma 1400 and now to the Super 1600 Puma, um, and on the way missing the Roger Clark Award in 2000 by the narrowest of margins. Well, he was on the judging panel. I actually, I forgot all about that. We did wow. well. Both of us did, didn't we? Um, that was my very first year of rallying. Actually, the Roger Clark Award got to the final of that. It was uh, yeah, it was Nile. You mentioned yep. Nile before. Nile was the one that actually won it. But apparently, it got very heated and very close between myself and he over who won it. But it was my first year, and a lot of people wondered, you know, was I in it for the long haul? Um, Anyway, this is basically saying that I confirmed financial support of £50,000 in 2002 plus the provision of a transit service fund and ancillary equipment um equipment, of course, with a car as well. So, yeah, that was me. That was my... Uh, 2002 was, like, I guess I was lucky. I'd, I really had gone on the ladder, as it were, you know, KA, 1,400 Puma, 1,600 Puma, and um, David Henderson actually won the 1,400 Puma Championship. I, Like I said, we had a... Uh, a decent fight all year. Um, I Had a, a real couple of freak failures, and then do you remember we did a rally at Silverstone? Um, yeah. The, the last one that was a championship decider, and um, I'm not going into it, but everybody knows there was a lot of corner
0: cutting going on. That yeah. Rally. <laughs> well, but, but Ban- Banbury was the Banbury was the last round because I right. Banbury. Yes. Um, did Banbury Yeah. Did I miss?
1: Yeah, Andy Moss yeah, did the whole rally thing, didn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Because yeah. yeah. Bambury was the last round because I ended up turning up, and this, and this is a true, true story. This is meant to be about you, guys, But is the is the irony? Yeah. I'm I enjoying get, this. I, I couldn't get a KA, and I ended up in a polo. Now uh-huh. there was a Scottish girl called Lorna Smith who. who Latterly, yeah. went on to drive for for the Stobart team in in the BRC, and she had a Suzuki works driving a Group N car. She was a really, right. she was a proper driver. You know, she yes. wasn't the token female. She was a proper driver, and the team that were running her was was the old Shropshire Rally team, and they built her a brand new car and painted it bright pink. And Lorna didn't want it. It was it's just not nothing to do with how she went rallying. She didn't want a bright pink car. So I turn up and I get given this. Screamingly bright pink polo, and that's your car. And you so, loved it, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It went max my eyes and everything. Yeah. <laughs> and, you um, don't look at
1: the outside when you're in the inside. That's the thing I always say. It was oh, bright pink nice inside as
0: well. It was bright pink inside yeah. <laughs> as well. And I, I remember because it was my first, what I call, I've done a couple of gravel rallies before then. And I took it to, I took it myself to scrutiny and I had no log book. And I got called before the, um, the organizers before the start of the rally and there was loads of hoo-ha about whether I was allowed to start or not. And I was allowed to start and, but there was a mass, there was some delays on that rally and I ended up going into the last stages and the car was that newly built. There was no map light in it. Um, We couldn't see... We couldn't see... Because it was stage diagrams, because it was a glorified multi-venue, a single-venue thing. And my my co-driver, who had never co-drove before either, just to bowl that one in, um, couldn't even see the diagram. So, yeah, it was possibly one of my more dire events, that one. So, yeah, I can remember that one very well.
1: You're right. There was massive delays because there was traffic coming into Banbury that nobody could get through. And they had to have a massive regroup before the last one. you're right. And then we went out to Silverstone. And I don't... uh, I don't think it was meant to be, because I, I think we remember it was like seven or eight o'clock in the finish it was. It was supposed to be like six o'clock and we were doing the stage at about seven, half seven or something yeah. like that. I think you yeah. didn't the finish because the road closure order had run out. In
0: something, something had gone on like that. Yeah. yeah. It was all a bit of an arse about face at the end of it. So yeah, no, I remember that corner cutting issue very, very well. Yeah
1: but yeah so, so <laughs> next year went to BRC you're right uh, in, in, uh, so uh, looking back now you know the one thing that's missing from national rallies or, or should I say even British Championship would be a great one make series for you know for the youngsters oh
0: don't don't uh, it's one, yeah, one of the I things know, I bang but, on about all the time uh, I, I, I,
1: to be honest I, I, with every sport I've done I'm quite I, it sounds sad to say that i push pushed them to one side but I enjoy partaking in them. So when I, I used to play kind of cricket, squash, and yeah, good standard rugby, when I finished them, I played all those kind of simultaneously. But when I finished rallying, um, I like I did what my dad did. I suppose decided right, my focus has to go on this now, and it was business. Um, but yeah, like you say, when you when you look back and you start dragging all this up. And you start thinking of the things that were around, the Peugeot one-weight championship, and even there was a little VW polo one, even though not that well attended, but five or six cars, you knew if somebody was leading it, they could go to the Peugeot championship and try and crack that, which had 30 cars, or the KA championship, which had 35, 40 sometimes. You know, it, it was just always a melting pot for somebody to rise to the top and prove that they had talent without spending the earth. Whereas now it doesn't seem like you can do a great deal unless you have an R5 car. No, and
0: you're not going to get you're not going to get noticed. You're not no. going to get noticed. You know, one thing that I remember from that period of time, like Super sixteen hundreds were uh, again. I'll, I'll be honest, I've got a little R2 car now. It's the nearest I'll ever have to owning a Super sixteen hundred because I can't justify owning one. To yeah. be honest with you. But, what Fiesta is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just the nearest yeah. thing I'll ever have to have with a Super Six Hundred car. So I love Super Six Hundred. I love F2. Front wheel drive cars I was fascinated by, you know, high powered ones. Yeah. And I can remember the big deal at the time of the the 100,000 euro cap supposedly yeah. on Super 600s. Now I remember stories and it may have came up when I was talking to Ryan about it. So this might have been on a podcast or it might have been privately. I'm not entirely sure. But Boreham really adhered to the 100,000 euro price cap. I knew exactly where you were going with this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, whereas, yeah, yeah. whereas nobody else nobody did nobody else did nope. no you know no, no. it was it was it, it was it, yeah it was bonkers you know, you pay a hundred thousand euros we can get seats some guard da, 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 da. yeah did did that really become apparent to you and i know you'll say this now anyway but you probably would have even said it at the time knowing you but um uh, when you jumped in that suzuki <laughs> for the first time was there a massive like oh okay well there's now a I see
1: what, with this there's a cool great right. story with this. So I'll rewind So we just a little bit, and I'll brisk through it to this great story of 2004. So, uh, yes, BRC 2003, uh, sorry, two. get an opportunity with Ford to go to JWRC, again, with the same people around me, Chris Birkbeck, Rob Arthur, um, my dad's still there, but getting more in the background as I'm getting budget from Ford and, and, and more advice from those two guys. And um, off we go, and we go and do JWRC in the Puma. Now, the 1600 Puma had only ever won, at that point, one rally, and it was Monte Carlo the previous year with... No, sorry, it was 2000 and... Let me think, because I had it, the that car. It, it won Monte Carlo in 2002 with Francois Duval.
0: Delica, Duval, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And then the car came back to Boreham, and Alan Rose... uh Chris Berthak has been speaking to Alan Rose, and... um uh, Alan Rose rang me up and said, right, he said, I've got the car for you for the British Championship. It's just arrived back, um, you know, if you want to come and collect it. So <laughs> I was literally still on the phone while getting the trailer onto, onto the car and was off down to Bournemouth, not knowing what I was picking up. Chris phoned me up on the way and he said, oh, it's actually, I've asked for uh, Francois Duval's car um, from, from um, Monte Carlo. So that's the car I did. British Championship in that year that Ryan did in the year after that Ryan is now bought. Anyway, we'll park that to one side. So I did 2003 in a different car, but we went to Greece, and um, we'd already done Turkey. Turkey was the second round in Monte Carlo, had some wheel studs here. Unfortunately, that we're doing quite quite all right, but did DNF, um, just parked at the side of the road with three wheels on the wagon. Um, and then we went to Turkey, and we finished on the podium, which... I was like overjoyed second rally and we'd finished on the podium, but taking it really quite easily. And at that point it was quite attritional. Certain rallies went to the Acropolis and known what we learned in Turkey. So we did one day and it was 44 degrees in the service area in the stages in a dark blue car driving through those stages. <laughs> when you hit a water splash, I, when people say, you know, I, I just think that song, you know, take, take, take my breath away. Yeah, it did. It was unbelievable. It was like sitting in a sauna in your race suit with it up cranked up to sort of 90 degrees and somebody not just, just take a spoonful of water, just throw the bloody bucket on, pardon my French uh, and, and just, "Ah, ah," you were gasping. It was incredible. Anyway, I distinctly remember Chris Bertbeck and Rob saying at the end of the first day, we're lying about eighth or ninth and we were hemorrhaging 20, 30 seconds of stage driving around the roughest parts. Just the car felt awful. It couldn't take it. And, um, Chris and Rob said, "You're going to have to go faster tomorrow. You know, you're losing too much time." And so, the very next stage had to fill, The very uh, first stage of the second day had to fill, Right? What we're going to do? We had to literally. It's a very famous pie. Did it in reverse. But if you remember, right, rewinding back, the, there was a stage that finished after a riverbed, and there was a double hump with a road that went off to one side. Anyway, Colin, as Colin would do, had seen it on a wrecking and decided he wasn't going to break. He was going to have the whole lot. It was like camel humps with a junction. That yeah, went he, gonna,
0: right? he, he jumped it. And I think Jimmy McRae actually wreck, wrecked uh, a wrecky car. Recce car, practically. He went out, apparently Colin had put it in his notes that this is jumpable and yeah. sent his dad out in an escort Cosworth. And that's his dad had place. ripped the front off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the place,
1: right. That, that... Was finishing with the camel humps the year previous. Then the year that I did that was 2002. I'm sure I could be wrong. 2003, so we're going the opposite direction. The stage has only started a kilometre before that. Well, I'm not daft enough to think a Super 1600 car is going to jump that, but what comes after is a riverbed. Now, this riverbed, you cross the riverbed sort of diagonally and you go across it for 100 metres and you go up, you pick your way up um, alongside it, and then it, which is a road, but it's washed away in parts but it's completely dry. And then you pick your way up this bank side. Anyway, we no longer had got along the side of the riverbed. We're talking 2K into stage, and it threw the power, power steering, um, the alternator belt off, which in turn was the power steering pump. And then we broke a damper. This is all in the same stage. And we had to do a, a stage called uh, um, And Actually, Rengini, I think, is the first stage, and Alartia is the second stage. Well, I can say it now, because... <laughs> We were, we were scared that obviously we were losing um, power steering fluid and the pump uh, might seize. Um, so we pulled over to a petrol station at the side of the road, uh, under the canopy. The petrol station was really modern, which is random for that area of Greece. And Phil, I sent Phil into the workshop to speak. The guy spoke no word of English. Anyway, two litres of power steering fluid came out. We had to go into about 37, 38, uh, 38 kilometres of Rengina Latte. So anyway, we had to stop twice to put fluid in just in case, because the lads we've been on the phone, the lads said, keep filling it up with power steering. The last thing you want is that season. So anyway, that is my Acropolis, and it goes on and on till we get to the end. And I'm not, I'm not joking, the closest I've ever felt to passing out in a car is doing 38Ks. My hands literally had the skin torn off them. My hands were that hot, sweaty, obviously fighting a car, with no power steering that's supposed to is ridiculous in those conditions. You know, just the diff snatching over traction over, over trying to scrabble for traction over that terrain. Anyway, the first event sorry, the first proper gravel event I go to with Suzuki in two thousand and four is Acropolis. So we go testing this four drivers, myself, P.J. Mirko Baldacci, Kossi, Katamiyaki. And um, <laughs> Barney um, is, is his nickname. Paul Barnard, who lives in North Allerton, is the engineer on my car and somebody else's. Anyway, he says to me, he's overseeing the test, says to me after half a day, he says, what's the matter? I said, what do you mean, what's the matter? He's like, come and have a look at the times and the data. I said, all right, okay. So I came, had a look, sat down and had a look at the times data. He's like, you're like three to three and a half, sometimes four seconds a kilometer slower than everyone else. What's the matter? He's like, where are you going? You know, when you go over the crest and there's that sort of rock pile there, like what are you doing? I was like, I'm going around it. So what? Don't go around it. Go straight over it and go flat over it. If the car can't take it, that's our problem. And that was like the penny dropping. And so, so literally, I jumped back in the car, went straight over it, and then started going half a second quicker than everybody else. And it was like, oh my goodness, it was on ride dampers, we we're on dynamic in the uh, in the Ford. And it was just like going to a whole new world. And like you say, coming back to 1,600 cars, the Puma was built, and if you remember, it was designed very early. It was designed all like Saxo time. Well, if you like, obviously the Puma, it almost evolved late, much too late into the Fiesta. I think that would have been about 2000 and, oh no, the Fiesta came middle of 2004. Four, Four, I think, because Yari Matty drove it. Yari this, Masi, yeah, think yeah. But they took the same... I remember doing some test work with that, and they took the same uh, tight lead as Ford would, you know, as, as Ford Motor Company would. That You know, they're the rules. They're not to be broken. You know, it should be built within this window as Boreham was, a separate entity, but still under the same global brand. And they had... If you remember, they had a cable shift. And I went down when I was still in 2003 to do some... Uh, evaluation on the rear axle um, and the gear change, and they had a six speed sequential. If you remember, they tried to build it with paddles on the steering wheel, but it was operated by cable. Oh, my goodness, it was, it worked in inverted commas okay, but it needed the, the adjustment presetting about every 30 change. or 40 gear changes. <laughs> and it used to get slightly out, then it just used to round the dogs, and then you couldn't get it. So, that was eventually scrapped, but I went to back-to-back. You, you'll laugh now. Going back to the 1400 tumor, a standard rear beam axle with the um, with the spaces on, I went to back-to-back and modified the standard rear beam, pretty similar to the, how I'd actually modified it earlier on, but not that they'd seen. That was just purely coincidence. And uh, a fully manufactured one. Um, but, yeah, Ford always went down that route of trying to stick to that um, really tightly uh, of a tight budget, should I say, when everybody else was pushing the boundaries because they absolutely wanted to win. And I guess to a certain extent, it's not that you can, you were limited on the materials you could use. So there was only so much that you really could um, spend. But let's say if it was, I can't remember, you probably can, if the, if the cap was 100, the the teams spend 130, 40, 50 on a car, went forward to spend 100. And that extra 20, 30, 40, 50 thousand made all the difference
0: yeah i uh, no, i can't i haven't got the numbers to hand but i just remember yeah. uh i I remember simon hughes you probably remember at the cleo side side oh which, that was a cracking car yeah and i know i again that was that was one that made me go giddy but yeah. just having conversations with him about you know they bought it and then all of a sudden it's like well it needs this it needs Upgrade that and like, oh, what? oh okay yeah <laughs> it's, like, it's like all of a yeah. sudden this 100 grand car wasn't a 100 grand car so yeah you can't actually go and do a rally like that, by the way. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not. It's not. It's not rally ready. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. Uh, so no. But it, 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 I suppose we we, we are scared over. The, I suppose the initial JWRC, but 0-4, that moved to Suzuki. What, 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 what fueled that? Because you know you Man had a rally. tough. Go on. What What was the one? What was the one Filling thing in. that kind of? Finland,
1: right, okay. Yeah, I went to Finland, and um, by that point, we'd had the ups and downs of obviously Monte Carlo. You're racking my brain now, I might get the other one wrong, but Monte Carlo stood sheared on on the front right wheel. Uh, Turkey finished third, good, solid, steady drive. Acropolis, can't really remember, but (laughs) time wise, blown into the weeds, physically wise, blown into the weeds. Can't remember what happened there, but we got around to Finland, and. We'd actually gone and done the Pirelli as a one-off, actually, um, somewhere in amongst all of that. And um, we'd led overnight. If you remember, there was the whole hoo-ha when we beat everybody by uh, 59 point-something seconds. Anyway, that was absolutely correct. We ended up, or should I say, I ended up parking the thing on the very last stage uh, about eight foot into a pine tree. And um, as I say, the rest is history. So... We ended up going to Finland, and we knew the pace. I, my pace was good, and I just had a good feeling. First time I'd ever been to Finland, did the recce. Actually, I'd been there the year before, and had a, had a run around the stages with Rob Arthur. Uh, I went out, did not to spectate. I landed on the Sunday night, and had a good run around all of the stages, and actually recce would them uh, twice or thrice. And um, had a good feeling from doing that. So when we landed there the year after, felt familiar with the place, even though I'd not been there with a rally car before. And um, right from probably the second first proper stage, really got stuck in. And um, my future team manager, Mr. Line Finn, who was in charge of Suzuki at that point, he'd had uh, numerous calls um, from his mates and had seen the times. And I'll not tell you his, his exact words, but um, basically it was uh, bloody hell. This is impressive. Um, and he told, he had these phone calls. He said, his mates who were really, really, I mean, he's friends with Tommy and Juha and all of them. Risto was a cracking guy and uh, massive information of a wealth of knowledge and skill at motorsport. He used to compete European karting level as a youth. And, but nevertheless, his mates have been telling bloody hell, you need to go and see this guy in the Puma. He is off the wall. And so, um, and we were having a right good go and we were pushing that car as, as and myself, and Phil, as hard as we could. Um, and we were sort of lying second to Daniel Carlson. Anyway, Ristel came out, and he timed these He saw some two, two places on the first afternoon, I think, the Friday afternoon. One was a start line, and one was um, a really high-speed section of corners. And the high-speed section of corners was like, wow, uh, right, this kid's got talent. And then... Um, the start line, he timed us to Daniel, and it was about 200 metres till we went out of sight. And we lost two seconds off the start line in pure traction with the Puma compared to Suzuki. That one rally got me in my
0: contract because we yeah. finished third. I remember um, 04. Um, see, it, I, I always thought the, the, the Ignis was possibly the weirdest looking rally car to me. Yeah. The, because it was, it was like it was never meant to be, but it was such a good car. Clearly, it was such a good car because of the drivers that were obviously doing what they were doing in JWRC. What was the? Did it feel like a step backwards? 04 to to a degree, and I'll I'll, I'll quantify that because you you came back to do BRc as well, which I was amazed about. I can remember being at the time going, "Oh, okay," and then I thought, oh, "Okay, well, it's, it's it's piggybacking." Was that to 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 just give you more seat time, or exactly. was there a? yeah okay right nail, okay nail
1: on the head Seat time um, it wasn't about I couldn't even say. I can't remember uh, I can't remember Chris did a couple of rounds in the in the Opal of BRC but it was no it was for me I think he I did Pirelli didn't
0: he I seem to remember him doing Pirelli in the Opal yeah Opel. and he might have done I don't know if he did Ulster or not but um,
1: I, I just at that point you have to remember R. C. was seven rallies in a year um, I think it was seven um, seven rallies is not an awful lot of seat time because we weren't getting it with Suzuki I was but the previous year with Ford testing thought you were you were grateful if you got half a day if you got a full day you were like wow the budget just was not there whereas with Suzuki we might go and do a day or two days but to get that extra seat time in the BRC it w- was just like wow this is awesome you know the, the, this is getting me right in the tune and you know I, the this is the best thing I could ask for as a young driver, um, you know, going to compete on, on the Junior World Championship. What's the best thing you could do after that? Of course, test us for mile after mile after mile. Well, if Suzuki UK want to fund a program because you know they're, they're excited about having a British driver, and you want to go and do BRC again, well, absolutely. Yeah, I'll, was, was that, I'll, I'll go and do VRC and anything else anybody else wants. Was, uh, o, you know? was, o, was o four guy the,
0: the the year where you went? Okay, I'm, I'm, I've arrived now. Was that was O four that that because that different? Because I suppose you know, with all due respect, obviously to, to what you'd done previously, you were still kind of rallying with friends, even though you had the, the support from yeah. BORUM. and obviously Chris was a friend and stuff like that. You had your friends around you, which is which is fantastic. That's it's a it's a great way to go rallying. We all know it's a great way to go rallying. But all of a sudden, you, you you're now turning up, and you've got you know your engineer right telling you to drive over stuff. That's 100% boat, Suzuki, right. you, yeah, okay,
1: hundred yeah. percent right. And, and, and I would never regard myself as as a, as a big fish in any size pond. But you're you're right in terms of should I should say I'm trying to put an analogy across over when I was with um, Chris, you know, and uh, Jimmy Burns, Carl Wilson, Dave Burbage, all the mechanics, Tim Crowder. Um, all of those guys, um, and Jason as well, just trying to think of them all, so I don't leave anyone out. <laughs> so, you know, all of those guys, it was It was like a family because I'd been around them even though I'd run my own car. I'd always ask them a bit of advice. And we were a great group and a unit. And those guys, I say that rally, that rally did get me my, my uh, break with Suzuki. We had a, 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 a torrid rally. We snapped a, damper, a Dynamics one, the hydraulic, and it snapped. Uh, we lost an intercom. Ended up stuck in a ditch for two minutes, and still managed to come out of the podium. Um, but those lads, they were like so behind me and willing me on to do the best I possibly could. I can't say win because we knew that we always couldn't win. We just wanted to try the best and get ring the best out of the car. Going to Suzuki, where you where you were expected to be a professional, although you hadn't necessarily experienced it. I was lucky I had in other sports, um, you know, and although, you know, having the playing with the budgets and having the responsibility of looking after a car that's worth, you know, hundred plus thousand pounds, (laughs) um, you know, is a different ball game and it's the responsibility of getting results is completely different as well. And yeah, you're right. It was, um, it was a different game, but it was a different game because I wasn't now in my own car, in my own team, and every Puma was slightly different because, you know, there was standard Pumas from Bournemouth. There was the, there was the Pumas that had had, you know, little bits and pieces done to, for protection, for strength, for everything. Even though it was some parts, you could still do little bits and pieces to try and improve the reliability, um, the strength, um, even with the dampers, the shimming, and etc. Cetera, et cetera, And those guys did it for me. But now I was going into a team with three of the drivers. So there was four of us with identical opportunity. And that's what I realized is, oh, hey, this is like going back to One mate Championship. Uh, you know, w- even though we're within a championship, if the Ignis is good enough, because they've just gone from three-door car to five-door car, if this car is good enough to win, I have to prove that I'm good enough to be at the front of us four. So PG, Mirko, Costi, I have to try and prove that. And uh, so yeah, it was it was a it was a sizable jump. It was that was my first pure factory drive.
0: The moment at Suzuki that was what what I suppose the the lazy question because I'm going to ask you something else in a minute, because my sound really left field. What what's your favourite moment from Suzuki? <sighs> I
1: suppose
0: winning. Uh, two. I've got one. See, I've got one. I've got one. I'm going to throw at you because I, 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 I made a note of it, and uh, to me, I think where you probably would have got the, well, certainly the team um, was surely winning in Japan for Suzuki. Uh, must that have was been. that
1: was right up there. Yeah, that was right up there. I mean, there was.
0: I can't, I'm trying to
1: think. Um, I can't remember if Chris Atkinson was in a Suzuki that year. There was myself and PG went with Swift. I've got a hellish funny story, actually. I'll tell you in a second. But going back to, uh you're jogging my brain now, there, there's lots of funny stories. And if Phil was next to me, we'd just bounce off each other with somebody else who's asking these questions. Do you remember that? Do you remember this? But nevertheless, going back to my, uh, yes, that was, Um it, it, but not the highlight. I think the highlight was winning Finland in 06 because it had eluded me. 03, we had the Puma. 04, um, in the very, we dropped a load of time. with a cracked um, upright, believe it or not. Um, and, a, and a lad that I've just been um, across to Sweden with at the start of this year, Mark Butler, who used to be number one on my car and I went to Subaru and ended up number one on Petter's car. He, uh, we did the first loop and lost about 40 seconds to a minute. Anyway, the brake pads were getting pushed off, um, and I just had zero confidence, and they they couldn't find it anyway. He pulled the upright off the car, and then at the evening service, they showed it. They phoned me, actually, and said, Oh, we found it. It's a crack upright for sure. You're all right. The bearing was pushing the upright apart and pushing the pads back, nevertheless. So 04 eluded me. 05, it was like the launch of the Swift. We'd had a great test. It was like, this is going to be the year. And that year it had rained really heavily sometime in the recce, and the very first stage, long stage, I remember it was one of the first rallies my brothers, uh, my two older brothers came to watch with my mum and dad. Mum and dad had been two previous years to Finland, they loved going there, didn't come to every rally. But um, so, as my eldest brother tells us, sorry, my dad had dragged us across this field, so we'd yumped across this field with my mother, who's got legs that are about a foot and a half long. My dad's flat out 50 metres ahead, like he always was when we were children, and we get to this stage, and all of a sudden, the 1,600 cars coming through, and I'm thinking, wow, this is this is magic. So first one comes through, wow. Second one comes through a minute later, wow. Nothing. That is, that's supposed to be guy. What's happened? Oh, I don't know. Ugh. Another minute goes by, another car, wow. Another minute goes by, wow. That's it, as my dad calls it, that's it, that's it. He's beep, it. <laughs> Come on, off we go. So this is the very first stage of the rally. And my dad thinks I've obviously thrown it in the trees. What had actually happened is on the real narrow section of road, um, which was quite soft, it had dug out into this massive railroad, and I'm just, the head's in gear, and I'm driving this car as hard as it'll go. And it looks like a rotivator at times because you just got the lock on, and the are that deep, and the road's that soft. It's just throwing... Stones and sand straight up past the wing mirrors of the car. You know, if you've got a bit of lock on it, it's digging it out. And sure enough, that's happening with every pass of every car. And we came around this corner, and there's just the biggest boulder that is connected to Finland. It's not even buried in the road. I think it was just a part of Finland. And bang, it hit the tire, punctured it instantly, and bent the rim. Well it was so narrow we had to find a safe place to stop which we couldn't really we jacked the car up uh, stop the car jacked the car up try to get the rim off Phil's trying to get the rim off he's shouting at me I can't get it off I can't get it off and then I see it's bent the rim that badly it's folded just pure chance it, the part that's folded round is right behind the caliper so we have to drop it down roll the car forward anyway we lost six minutes in that stage so eventually as my brother and brothers um, and my mum and dad across the field and my brother's <laughs> the one looking at the other and going well this is pretty shit isn't it and <laughs> he says he, my, my eldest brother said dad that, that sounds like two cars coming do you think it could be guy not really knowing what the gig is that was the first rally they'd been to they knew what it was about but never really tuned he's like I'm sure that sounds like a Suzuki sure enough I was hot on the tails and then passing another car literally where they were Get in the stage so I'm like come on come on quick and off they went so 05 was lost because of that even though I think we finished on the podium behind Danny Sordo second I think but 2 minutes 45 06 was the year that we did it and just had the most unreal rally hell of a battle with PG and Chris that we came out on top of Um, and it was just the most unreal feeling because it was one of those things that had gone on from 02 going there the first year with Rob Arthur and seeing these stages and just going wow as a rally driver these are absolutely magic so oh, I think winning Finland with Suzuki but um, Greece was also fairly special that was my first win in Suzuki um, after we'd all fallen off the road in Monte Carlo um, <laughs> our first rally our first rally as professional drivers all four of us put the cars off in Monte Carlo and we went to, fin- uh, went to Acropolis and there was hellish pressure on us to get some results the Japanese you could see were just like so tense and tight and almost you, you felt like you were going to have a karate karate fight at any second that somebody put the car through <laughs> So, so uh, and so um, so yeah so uh, off we went did this rally and we were the only one that finished and we managed to win it but the relief in the team from the drivers was fantastic I remember finishing that rally and the, like all the other drivers were so grateful that we won it that was cool going back to Japan and yours god there's some stories coming out here <laughs> It was PG and I in, obviously, um, Suzuki rally cars and uh, Swift Super 1600s. And it's not having a laugh about PG. PG had, unfortunately, a fog. Uh, Harry Rovenpear had gone off literally 200 metres before him. It was thick fog. And um, he'd gone off the road 200 metres before him. PG, there was a like, real fast section up a hill, fast right-hander uh, with a fresh air on the left. Harry had gone off there. round the corner, 200 metres later, we saw these two yellow jackets. And it was literally 200 meters straight into a 90 right. Um, PG had missed the 90 right and gone uh, gone um, tail over nose down the embankment, done no damage to the car, but was like 15 meters down the embankment, 20 meters, and it only knocked the spoiler off the car. There was not, no other panel damage, but obviously he was on that 45 degree gradient. We got out the um, forest, and um, I said to Puri, ring them up, see if they're all right. So we ran, rang them up, had them on the in-car phone. And Phil, uh, so, you, you're both all right, guys? Yeah, 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 we're all good. Okay, okay. Um, hopefully we'll see you back at the hotel tonight. Um, now, that was at the point where you had to get official recovery uh, back for a super rally and things like that. Well, I knew there wasn't a cat in hell's chance that they were going to get back to the hotel before we would be going to bed. And um, so I said, to just as a parting shot, I said, hey, you're on just remember, you might want to get back in the car because watch out for the bears. And then all you could hear was PJ's bears, bears, I didn't know they had bears here. So they, they went and sat in the car on a 45 degree gradient. Um, I think it, it, it was for a hell of a long time until they got recovered. But nevertheless, that's not the parting shot. The parting shot is the next night we do a super special stage and in Japan it was fantastic. They had, if you imagine... Um, setting off in a drag for 300 meters, let's say, and then you went around to the right and did the normal super special stage and then joined the drag to complete the circuit. Around three quarters of the circuit was grandstand and there was a third red, obviously Mitsubishi, a third blue, Subaru, and then a third yellow, Suzuki. PG and I got on a head-to-head the next day and it was the first time I did a, a second gear. Actually, I'd been doing them on that rally because the ruts were quite bad, bad just to get away. Um, but I did a second gear start off the line anyway. PG was wanting to take a little bit. Um, he, he took it and took it later on anyway with two general championships. <laughs> he was wanting to take a bit, bit of a bite back at us. So um, we went hell for leather off the start line and we just dropped him just to buy starting in second gear. Him having to take the gear change and obviously generating wheel spin in first gear. So he's mad as hell. He comes. We come over the jump. We're way ahead of him. He comes around this right-hand corner. It was clay, and he parked it in the armco. Unfortunately, and we laugh about it now to this day, and we laughed about it afterwards when he got to the hotel. But he parked it with the wheel jammed underneath the armco, front end into the Suzuki, um, right in front of the Suzuki um, VIP area. And the funny thing was, he put his cap on and he didn't get out the car. He told on honest to get out the car and orchestrate <laughs> the recovery. He was not getting out, but yeah, we had some great, great, great laughs. But that's just a story because you said Japan, but yeah, I think that uh, Finland was definitely the the highlight.
0: This, this, this is a two two parter, I suppose. In some ways, question wise, did you stay at Suzuki too long? And I suppose who you, know, you know this? No. Oh right. Okay.
1: Uh, At the end of 2004, I got a phone call from a guy that was very influential at Subaru and running the team, really, on on events, I suppose, um, Paul Howarth. So before I went to Catalonia, I forgot what the round was before Catalonia, but I was basically in with a shout of winning the Junior World Championship uh, at the end of Four, my first year with Suzuki. Um, And um, he phoned me up out of the blue, and I was still at that sort of age... uh, Nervous of, of speaking to people who you're in awe of, and Paul Howarth. And I remember to this day, I was in my left hand drive, recce uh, golf, and um, I was in between two garages uh, doing an errand for my dad. And um, he said that, uh, Hi, it's Paul Howarth from Pro Drive. Uh, can you talk, guy? And I said, uh, Well, y- yes, just let me pull over. Uh, and this was. 04 so hands free and all that sort of stuff was i suppose was just coming in i said if you could just let me pull over then i'll be with you in 30 seconds yeah yeah that'd be great if you can pull over and make sure you're safe so pulled over and i remember my heartbeat rising for that 30 seconds till i got to the lay bikes i knew exactly where it was. I was thinking what the heck can this be about and um so the conversation started i'm, I'm just updating um, my young driver profiles and i've got a, a few blanks for you Can i just spend a bit of time with you you know I 10 minutes, just can you give me some answers? So we went through that, and at the end of the conversation, um, he said, don't read too much into it, guy. said uh, I may be in touch in the future, or I may not. And those words resonated with me, and I thought, well, okay, bit bit bizarre. So I rang my dad straight away. Dad, dad, I just had this telephone call from Paul Howard. And you know, the one mistake, as I look back now, uh, and, and not that I can change anything, but the one mistake I would always say to young people is, never leave yourself a question mark. If you've got a question mark in your head, try and get the answer. And that was the one thing I did as a mistake. So my dad said, well, what did he say to you? He said, his parting shot was, and tell me again, guy. And I said, that he said, don't read too much into this. I may be in touch again in the future, or I may not. He said, well, that day he's told you, he, he, he may be in touch, or you or may not. Whereas I should have rang back and said, Paul, I just need to clarify what you mean by this and why you've been in touch. Anyway, fast forward to just prior uh, to the event, Suzuki, this is about two months before, let's say six, seven weeks before Catalonia. Suzuki have got a two-year contract on the table for me and pushing me, pushing me, pushing me to sign. And my dad's my dad's helping me out, I feel like, by then, as dads do. And... Um, I said, uh, just with advice, really. And uh, I said, Dad, so what you should you do with this? He said, look, you know, it's a two-year contract. It's paid. da 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 This is the deal. Can you see any pitfalls? He said, well, he said, oh, "It all looks good to me. It looks like a fantastic opportunity. He said, you know, they've said that they... No, no. at that point, they hadn't said about WRC car. It was in um, 05 at Finland they said about WRC car. But, um, yeah, they said that uh, two years, you know, bringing the Swift in the middle of 05 the following year, uh, you know, look, th- th- this is this is great, you know, if you look around, and we didn't really say it like this, but if you looked around, all the factory seats were full, um, and uh, little did anyone know, I think you'll tell me better, I'm trying to rewind, in 03 was, at Subaru, was it Petter and Tommy? Uh, and did yeah, Tommy I mean, retire at the end of 03?
0: Yeah, that, that was, right. it? didn't he retire his championship year, and 03 was his championship year. Right, okay. That's um,
1: right, yeah. isn't it? With Tommy, we're talking here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 when you say his championship year, what do you mean?
0: I'm talking Petter. When was Petter's championship yes, year? Yeah, sh- yeah.
1: Petter was 03. Sorry, I see what yeah. you're saying now. Yes, Petter was 03. So if that's the year that Tommy retired, it was 03. So basically what happened was um, I signed the Suzuki contract um, two weeks. Sorry, not two weeks. Uh, two days before. So in between the recce, on the recce, Paul Howard phones me up. And says, oh, Guy, he said, "Uh, I'm just wondering if you can come for a meeting before, um, uh, I think it was maybe on the Tuesday, you know, before, I don't know, whatever it was, signing on, not scrutiny, not any of those things, but it was before something, but not the start. I said, oh, Paul, I'd just like to concentrate on the rally. If we can do it after the rally, that'll be great. (laughs) I'd kind of blown it into it, knowing that I'd signed with Suzuki and wasn't even thinking that they were thinking what they were. Um, Anyway... We slid off the road on the first day on Sunday morning, um, and the first people to call me uh, was Subaru, uh, not Suzuki. It was Subaru. Paul Howarth called me, um, and David, I think David Lapworth was either alongside him or something, and said, well, I'm really sorry to hear, uh, you know, that you've slid off the road, and there's not everybody, you and Phil, okay? Um, yeah, yeah, we're both okay. Thanks very much. Um, just wonder if you can come for a meeting as soon as you get back to service. I said, what the hell? Um, I said, well, I'll have to go and see my own team first, uh, Paul, but yeah, I, I suppose at some point I'll be able to come for a meeting. Anyway, I went back, saw and obviously I was gutted. I was like to scrape up off the floor in the stage because, um, unfortunately, just the uh, team uh, and uh, decision, had made a wrong choice with the tyres and just couldn't get temperature into them on the way to the stage, slid off the road, damp road, um, Celavi. Coming back to the service area, I get another phone call. Paul Howard again. It's any chance you can come? And I've just had the meeting, and I'm still in my Suzuki overalls. And I'm like, well, um, I suppose so. I suppose I'll be able to come and have a chat. But where? It's like, oh, can you come to the Subaru, Subaru truck? I was like, "Uh, it might be quite tricky. And I thought, well, how can I do this? I need to find this out, and this is bugging me too much. Just just go and find it out, it doesn't matter. You know you're scientists, you're not doing anything untoward, you're, you're friends now with these people as such. So anyway, I went around there, went into the truck, and um, asked a guy, um, I didn't walk through the main service area, such because uh, it was just a little bit too obvious, if you like, so I went around the back of the service area, went to the truck, and asked a guy, um, I said, uh, I said, uh, is there any chance you could find Paul Howard? So he said, oh, yeah, if you just want to take a, a seat in the front of the truck, there's the meeting office in there. So I went through there, and it was all leather. And I was like, wow, what an office. And there was a fridge full of drinks. And just w- what you later learned was the norm for factory teams. But going into that environment, it was like, wow, this is what it's like, is it? So um, in came Paul Howarth, and Paul said, oh, if you can just wait another couple of minutes, I'm just going to round up um, David Lapworth, uh, Lewis is coming in and the two head Japanese guys. I was like, what? So they all came in, were sat in the back of this truck. I'm with my Suzuki overalls ro- rolled around my waist, so I've just got yellow legs with Suzuki motorsport on the side, or Suzuki racing, and um, they said to me, uh, Paul Howarth said, well, you know that conversation I had with you on the phone about eight weeks ago, Uh, I said yes he said well we'd actually like to sign you for next season and I paused like that I was like oh my god what I said sorry well David Lapworth then said we'd like to sign you as a second driver behind Petter for next season I was like ah and I remember scratching my head running my hands through my head just in literally a uh, trance, uh, thinking, and the whole, every single word that Paul had said to me and I said to Paul, I was trying to to think, what did I say that was wrong or what did I not understand? What didn't I grasp? This isn't just, this, I said, sorry, can I just rewind? And I said this in front of Luis and, um, and Lappy, two Japanese guys. If I can just rewind to the conversation, Paul, that we had. And it wasn't that I was trying to make, Paul feel bad or myself feel better I was just trying to create, create some understanding I thought right this is the time now I can't leave any question marks I've just lost a junior world championship I need to know what the hell is happening right now so I said you, I went through the whole conversation with Paul and he said, yes yes that's right I said and your parting shot was and when I said the line David Lapwith looked at Paul Howarth as if to say what in the hell did you say that for so Lewis quickly took control of the situation, and said, Well guys, 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 guys. Fine, fine, fine. And then he looked at the Japanese, maybe your guys can speak to uh, Suzuki guys, and we can get some, some action here. You know, it's not the end, don't worry, so I told them, look, you know, because you'd said that, I actually signed for Suzuki, because I didn't really know why you were collecting information, what you were asking for. At no point did you even make an inclination that you were even interested in my services, if you like, my driving services. Um, to sign me for this year. And so I was left flabbergasted. And at that point, I was in an absolute, I was in cloud cuckoo land, to be quite honest, having said what had just happened on the day with my rally in the, the world championship. And then having that said, <laughs> I, was, I was just like blown to bits. And I was thinking, well, where the hell is this going to go? Lewis Moyer, even, you know, he was a legend before he even got involved in rallying to me. You know, he, it's, it's Carlos Sainz, synonymous. who's his co-driver? I'm sorry, it's not Mark Marty, it's Lewis Moyer. Yeah. Even though I, I like Mark Marty a lot, you know, that's the kind of respect he had for me. So I thought, wow, if he said that, maybe I can just let them do their thing and I might get lucky and Suzuki might release me or whatever, but I'm not going to affect that. Anyway, it went up to Fuji from Subaru, Fuji Heavy Industries, across to Mr. Suzuki, Mr. Suzuki, Tajima, Tajima, down to Risto line, and Risto line, it's, that's the point, that basically not that I knew, but Risto knew, that the WRC car was coming, and Risto told me in late life, that he said to Monster, look, you told me, uh, oh, let me think, oh, it, I think it was supposed to be, or maybe 07. He said that, um, that must have been 07. He said, you've told me that a WRT car's coming in I want him to be one of my drivers. So I don't want to release him. And then it went all the way back up, round the top and down. And then Subaru came to me and said, I'm sorry, we can't get you released. So <laughs> that, was, that was the N204.
0: This is Absolute Rally. So I thought it was quite an interesting point where we stopped there. Um, as I say, the second part of it is just as equally... Interesting and fascinating what goes on behind the scenes and uh, yeah uh, if uh, if you've enjoyed it you, you're going to massively enjoy the second half of it as well but in the meantime as I say keep supporting what you can support one another looking after one another be kind to one another it's tough at the moment it's tough for everybody uh, whether you're the first liner or whether you, you are working in a lockdown scenario where um, basically you're home with the family or whatever It's it's a tough it, 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 I think the novelty might have wore off for quite a few people now and uh, we need to look after one another I think a little bit at this point as well so um, so keys please please keep doing that and uh, we'll be back same time same place in your podcast hole next week Absolute Rally powered by the Keel Works team spread the word and download the podcast every week